Welcome to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. I'm your host, Amy from Amy Natalie Co., spiritual teacher, mindset coach, and speaker. I'm here to remind you how to tap into your feminine frequency to elevate your relationships, attract more money, and feel confident in your body. Each week, I'll be sharing wisdom from guest experts and guided meditations, along with my favorite spiritual mindset techniques so that you can access abundance, love, and manifest a life that is in alignment with your soul's true desires. Let's do this, sister. to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. Thank you for being here with me today and thank you for pressing play. It means the world to me to have you here and it's just really inspiring that you keep showing up to learn more and to continue learning how to drop into your own feminine. And I believe that um, accessing your feminine is a journey and it is definitely an art and there's so many different facets to it. And today I have my guest Hannah here who is going to be sharing her expertise as a feminine embodiment coach and she's going to be also talking about a lot about being in your body and sacred sensuality and all of these things that are part of the feminine. So welcome to the show Hannah. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, and before we hopped on and press record, Hannah said something that was a very feminine response, but it was like, I feel so in flow right now. So um, I'd love for you to share, what does it mean for you when you feel in flow? Mm, Great question. For me, it feels like I am really being guided by my higher self and spirit, and I don't have to think too much or try too hard. There is kind of this beingness, this isness, where I'm going about my day, whether it's running errands or just taking a walk, and I feel like everything is in unison with one another. Mm. And yeah, I don't have to force anything, which feels so good. It's so relieving when I don't have to like, you know, kind of push too hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd love to ask you about your story of how you got to being in flow. And before we do that, I would love for you to share with the listeners, what do you do for play? Like what are some things that help you get into flow? And also what, what, what is play for you? Mm, I have like a huge (laughs) smile on my face. Play to me is so important, especially when I am balancing my work. So for me, play is dance 100%, really tuning in to the music and allowing it to guide my body, releasing and clearing out energy. Um, Play is connection with people, being out in nature. It's being fully present to each given moment. Um, anything that can raise my vibration, being out in the ocean is totally my play. People kind of call me a mermaid and I feel like the ocean is my second home. Um, so that's, yeah, that's some ways that I love to play. Yeah. And we actually saw each other at Envision Festival, which we both got back from Costa Rica and um, just being out there. It's such a sacred place, sacred land. And it was awesome to get to see you there. And I've been talking about play as like a space where I feel like I'm not in a space of responsibility, like going Mm. back to that childlike wonder and curiosity without 
all of the rules and all of that. So for me, that could look like vacation. It could look like going to a music festival, but I think in the day-to-day -day for me, I feel very similarly, especially with dancing, because it it takes for me at least the rigidity out. There's no, like, there doesn't need to be any structure to it. Um, and yeah, like you said, being in the present moment, being in your body. So why don't we start there? What does it mean to be like an embodiment coach? What does it mean for a woman to access embodiment? Hmm. Great question. I would say it is so much about getting silent with yourself a lot, actually, and tuning in to what's actually happening in your body. I feel so many of us are stuck in the mind a lot. And, you know, people might hear this conversation, okay, just, you know, be in your body, be present. And some people are like, okay, well, how do I do that? And I would say the breath allows you to connect deeper into your body. So embodiment is, part of it is, I would say, kind of walking your talk and integrating the lessons and the healing that one is experiencing on their path and really showing up in life um, with those principles. So you're kind of bringing it down from the higher realms and bringing it into like the root chakra, the lower chakras, so you can, um, again, portray yourself as you are like what you say that you are, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, I've never heard it described that way. And I think that's really beautiful of like in walking the talk that that's amazing and feeling it in your body. One of the things that my clients will say a lot is, you know, they've done meditation before or they've done gratitude practices, but the difference between the work that I do versus what they've done in the past is they actually feel like feel it in their body and it becomes yes. part of them. So this mm. walking your talk, it's like, instead of it being a concept in your mind or this like idea that, you know, I should be meditating or I know that's good for me, or I tried it and it felt good once. It's like, what would it feel like to actually allow that to be part of you? And really integrate it into your life instead of it just like being something that you do occasionally, but like the embodiment is actually being able to feel gratitude and to be able to connect to your meditation because you could just go through the motions, even with some of these personal development and spiritual practices. Mm, 100%. And just hearing you say that reminded me of like, yes, you can have these concepts and you can journal. You can, like you said, have a gratitude in your mind and just say something you're grateful for. But once you really feel it in your body and are able to go out and experience life and use the tools that you're learning on your spiritual path, that's when you know you're embodied. You know you're embodied when a trigger comes on and you're able to breathe through it, work through it in your own process and then express what you need to express. Hmm. So powerful. And we're definitely going to dive into that a little bit more today about yes. communication and navigating triggers and taking ownership. So how did you start to explore this realm of embodiment? What has been your personal journey to be embodied? Because when I experience you, I do experience a lot of embodiment and presence and uh, groundedness as well as another word that I feel can really... Uh, describe embodiment. So how did you get to where you are today teaching embodiment? Yes, totally. 
So I actually have been dancing since I was like out of the womb, I like to say. Um, since I was three years old, I was practicing tap, jazz, and ballet. And then it transitioned into hip hop dance. So I was a competitive hip hop dancer from about the age of, let's say, eight to like 18. And I feel like that, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing kind of intense movements in my body. So that was definitely supportive. And I was an athlete most of my life. And I would say it really began when I started practicing yoga, which was when I was around 17 years old. And it was just such an amazing outlet for me. I was not so much into college and it was like really my therapy in college. I would so look forward to it as much as possible. I was going to school in Boston and yeah, so I would say it was definitely like movement and exercise and just connecting to my body has been in my life forever. And I notice when I don't do it, how out of balance I feel and how ungrounded I do feel. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say those, those practices definitely have made me, help me with my groundedness. And then now transitioning, I teach and facilitate ecstatic dance classes, which is total free form movement. It's like a guided movement meditation almost. Yeah, ecstatic dances are a really amazing experience and it does take a lot of letting go, letting go of what it looks like, letting go of what other what you think other people think and mm -hmm. it's a it's a journey within it, within itself of allowing yourself to be present in your body and that's at least been my experience that like the first few times I tried ecstatic dance it was really hard for me. I still felt really rigid even though I love to dance and it's interesting that you say um that you're a dancer and I used to do all of those jazz tap ballet and hip-hop were like my thing so nice. um yeah I can definitely relate to growing up as a dancer and um I'm going to share this in a different episode but like the first time that I ever like noticed comparison was through dance classes because you know, and it can be very competitive and sounds like you competed in hip hop. And I think that whenever we bring competition into it, for me, it took kind of like the fun out of it. So I love bringing dance and movement back into my life now. And I love hearing you like that you have brought it in in a different way than like the competition and the, the sharp movement. And now that you're integrating it into like ecstatic dance, that's really awesome. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah, people, people share with me a lot, you know, how do you move so freely the way that you do? And I don't know what the big, I don't know if I ever had like a moment of just saying, F it, I'm going to move how I want. I feel like it's kind of been like that most of my life. But when I move my body, however I choose and please, whether it's at a drum circle or a festival or at a dance class, there is um, this cathartic release that I experience. It is an uninhibited freedom that just really like washes over me. And at the end of whatever, a festival, a practice, um, I feel the most free that I, than I ever do. So why would I hold myself back and how my body wants to move because of I'm afraid of what someone else is going to say or think. Mm -hmm. So that's what I kind of encourage people to do. It's like, just listen to how your body wants to move. Like it will move you. It's like your, my soul kind of comes through and I just, I don't think I just go. Mm, yeah. 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 One of the practices that I give my clients is actually to like dance alone in their room in front of a mirror. And I'll actually have I them do, the do same that. Thing. <laughs> I'll actually have yes. them do that um, naked sometimes too. It's one of the most powerful healing tools for body image 
and to reconnect with your body and to be in your body with taking that pressure away of what does it look like? You know, that saying like dance, like no one's watching. Well, put yourself in a place where no one's watching and start to get comfortable with yourself. Oh, I love that so much. I've been, I've given my clients very similar exercises. So that's Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. And you talked about dancing being cathartic. And I know that for many women, like trauma lies in the body or emotions lies in the body and that movement can really support that. So can you share a little bit more about like how to be using these embodiment practices for healing? Mm, Yes. Great question. I think definitely starting small, if it scares a woman to express herself through her body in public, um, that's okay. You know, I would say be gentle on yourself. So like you, just as you shared, I would say starting in your room and starting with your eyes closed and putting on a favorite song and just starting to connect to the breath and asking your body, how do you want to move today? Like, what do you want to show me through movement? And just allowing that to flow and letting go of how it needs to look if it looks quote unquote sexy or you know you think it's supposed to look a certain way like really letting all of that go and i actually like to um inspire people to sometimes pick a theme like okay let's pick scarcity even i want you to dance and move how scarcity feels in your body so you can clear it out of your system and then i'll transform it okay let's dance abundance how does abundance feel in your body and then let's move that and see how that feels. And you really can start to feel the different vibrations that are happening in your system, in your auric field. Mm, So beautiful. And I love how you related that to scarcity and abundance, because those are things that I think people dance with their whole life and don't really like it. They don't actually notice what it feels like to be in scarcity. And it's more of like this, just like fear mode, but when you can actually feel fear in your body, then you can identify that it's happening. And instead of like freezing or not being able to respond to it, you can just like feel, oh yeah, that's what fear feels like for me. And Mm. I find that when people can identify what the feeling feels like in their body, because fear is just a word, but if you know what it feels like in your body, then you can relate to it differently. Mm. Yes, so powerful. Yeah. So what are some other tools or modalities that you feel um, inspired to share with women in either like their personal pleasure practice or movement practice? What are some places that you would start if someone wanted to get, go deeper into embodiment work? Mm, Definitely. Um, First thing that came to mind was breast massage. Mm. Breast massage has been a really profound tool that I've, you know, kind of put adopted under my tool belt for the last year or so. And it actually like, you can completely separate it from being sexual. Um, So our breasts obviously lay right next to our heart. And it is an amazing way to open the heart chakra. It actually clears your lymphatic system. There's some great scientific benefits from it as well. And any time that I was going through like a bad break, breakup or grief this past year, um, I would turn to breast massage and instantly start to cry. Like just connecting to that space was so profound and so beautiful. Um, and I actually am in the process of doing 
a little module series on breast massage and like how to do it because there's all different techniques that you don't realize it's not just like squeezing your breasts you know mm -hmm. so there's all different movements and different techniques that you can do um to really open the heart and like drop into the breath and it does you know after let's say 15 20 minutes you can definitely start to feel aroused and i always encourage that before a self-pleasure practice like instead of going right to the yoni i always say like at least five minutes on the breast really help you open up your yoni because your yoni is connected to your heart space mm. Yeah. And I really like, and for some listeners, like the word yoni might be new for them. And I really like it. There's so many different words that we can use for female anatomy, but yoni is a spiritual term for vagina or pussy or whatever people want to call it. Right. And I think it, I feel like it can create more of like a sacred self-pleasure practice and everyone can relate to things differently and has their own relationship with these different words. So um, I think it's important that people honor their own journey, but you know, Yoni is something that, like you just said, really understanding that it's connected to your heart and making it less taboo. I think even just taking it out of technically the English language and yeah taking it out of all the stigmas that we have around self-pleasure because I'm curious to know how many of your like women who come to you, how many of them actually have a self-pleasure practice before they come to you? Almost none of them. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's honestly almost foreign to them. So it's, you know, really starting small and starting, um, from that place of, okay, how do I reconnect to my body and forgiving everything from your past? If there needs to be something forgiven where you've betrayed your body on some level, whether yourself or with a, you know, with a lover. Um, so I just tell women like start small and be patient with yourself. And there's always a next level you can reach. And for, even for myself, you know, I teach this and there's like many next levels that I'm, you know, working towards in my self-pleasure. Um, so I always encourage like breast massage just to start and then just to like, you know, just start touching your yoni and just like feeling the sensations. And if it freaks you out, like that's okay. You don't need to judge it. And then we talk about, okay, like what are the emotions coming up? They feel that it's bad or wrong. They've been shamed for wanting to experience pleasure. It was never talked about in the household. So there's so many different factors um, that I see where, yeah, there's just like a lot of shame and guilt that are, that's still being, being cleared out across the feminine collective around mm. pleasure. Yeah, definitely. And I see, so, so what do you feel opens up for women when they start to reconnect with their pleasure? What, what do they have access to when they start to invite more pleasure into their body, into their life? Mm, love this question. Freedom, total freedom in who they want to be, how they want to express themselves, how they want to show up to the world. And in a good way, it's almost like I don't give a F attitude of like, I'm going to embark on my personal journey, how I please. Because I found, have found, and I've seen even within myself when I wasn't very connected to my body and I kind of, you know, I fall in and out sometimes, I cared a lot about what other people were thinking about me. Was, how is this going to show up? Um, am I going to be judged by others? So 
I would say, yeah, really shifts a woman's mindset. And also you can see in a woman, I believe, if she's connected to her sexual and feminine essence. And if a woman shut down, you can see and feel it as well. So there's, it's, a, it's an aura that really starts to awaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done some of Kim and Nami's work. She's also a, yes. she's a sex educator. She's, awesome. and <clears throat> she's amazing. And she talks about that too. Like you can tell when a woman walks into a room and when she's connected to her pleasure. And, you know, we're talking about two different things here. Like self-pleasure is different to like specifically sex, being sexual with a partner. And I think it's important to differentiate those two of like allowing yourself to feel pleasure overall in the first place, like just being open and knowing that you're also worthy of feeling pleasure. I think that the human mind is geared more towards like pain and suffering. And that's like the Mm -hmm. default of like, it's easier just to complain about things or it's easier to be in pain and people kind of connect on those things. But then when we talk about pleasure, it makes some people really uncomfortable. And I think that when you look at like, I think everyone is worthy of feeling alive and connected. And it's so interesting. I've heard, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on this, that um, when a woman's connected to her pleasure, she's connected to her power source. And the reason why sexuality and female sexuality was shamed in the past is because it actually was threatening to society when a woman is like fully in her power because we've been living in this such a masculine dominant um, patriarchy essentially do you have any thoughts on that yes I am shaking my head yes mm-hmm. <laughs> um 100% when a woman exactly as you said, when a woman is deeply connected to her power source I believe that it's totally connected to your pleasure and vice versa And when a woman shows up powerfully, it can be very intimidating to a man who is not fully integrated in himself. And yes, I think over time, men have, you know, it's starting to shift now, but men were really the ones who were in power. And I think women, when we come together, especially also like as sisters, um, it's it's mind-blowing how much we can create together. And... Yeah, the, the feminine essence is is vast and expansive and super powerful. And I think it can be a lot for someone, a man, to um, to kind of hold that space at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to know if women, even whether it's unconsciously or subconsciously, shy away mm-hmm. from connecting to their pleasure because they don't want to, they're afraid that that won't be appealing to a man. Maybe they might be overwhelmed by it or, you know, like feel feel like they're not able to show up for her, which I see a lot specifically with women who are in corporate career or even um, entrepreneurial women like this idea of power. And I think that there's a difference when your power is connected to like, it's more of connected to being empowered in who you are versus the word power that we normally hear in society. And we just hear like power equals a lot of times in our minds that equals greedy or bad or controlling. And it's a totally different energy of empowerment that we're talking about here. Yes, absolutely. And just listening to one thing that you said about 
a woman almost having a fear of showing up um, connected to her pleasure with a man. Like I know that's actually come up for me a lot. Um, having this idea or belief in my mind because I am a sensual, sexual being, how is a man going to perceive that, you know, in the beginning of a relationship? I haven't always been sure, like, how much do I share? How do I show up? Um, kind of that conversation. And yeah, so it's just been an interesting journey with all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure that would depend on the person and the situation. But I, yeah. yeah, it's interesting how on both sides, like a woman who's not connected to her pleasure can feel uncomfortable first in a relationship. And then on the opposite side is someone who's really empowered in their pleasure of like not wanting to intimidate or um, how to approach that with their partner that they're with. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How does this connect all to um, like your throat chakra and communication and being able to like share your truth? Mm. So much, <laughs> especially on, on the journey that I've been on. Um, speaking my truth has been so huge. I feel it is for so many women. And I mean, there's just layers and layers and, you know, going into even some past lives, like I've, I've been shown certain past lives where I was, I was speaking the truth and sharing the truth. And let's just say some not good things happened. And so there's this like deep subconscious fear. If I speak my truth, like I will be killed. And I actually have spoken to a lot of clients that have the same thing. So, I mean, that's like on a very deep level. And then, you know, more of like 3D level, I think it's about when women want to share their truth and they're afraid, the fear is A, like not being received, not being able to be heard and maybe being even rejected. So when it comes to speaking your truth in the bedroom, um, there, it's really like it goes hand in hand. What if you share a desire that you want or you share a fantasy that you want with a partner and they say no? There's that fear of, oh my God, is there something wrong with me? Is it bad that I want that? Is it, you know, is it disgusting? Is it yucky that I want to try and like, you know, access this more erotic side to me? So I think it, yeah, kind of all melt, meshes and melds together. Mm. Yeah, I like that you brought in using your voice in the bedroom. And as, I think this comes from a lot of different places where a lot of women essentially like the interaction of sex is more to please the man and that's like where where a lot of women because they're disconnected from their pleasure but that they're not even open to asking for what they want or sharing if something doesn't actually feel good because there's like a performance happening in the bedroom you know like it's yes. it's this performance of like I want him to feel like I'm turned on for whatever reason and um just I feel like there's a lot of uh room for like dishonesty or just like disconnection and intimacy when there isn't communication. So is that something that you feel that communication happens in the moment? Is that something that happens outside of the bedroom or after, you know, you're with a partner? When would you recommend to be having these types of conversations? Mm, great question. I would say both mm -hmm. for sure. And it's kind of pre-proposing it before you actually even go into an intimate experience with someone. Um, I think it's, you know, it's different for every person, but 
you know, even having that conversation before the first time that you do have sex with somebody and just sharing a little bit about like maybe what your intention is wanting to experience that realm with that person. And then after you've been with someone for a little while, I think communicating things in the moment is great. Um, and of course, feeling into the energy of, oh, can I let this pass by? Or like, no, like I get to speak this right now. And then yes, having a conversation after too, like, hey, like I loved when you did that. Or no, like can we shift something when we try that? Um, and of course it's, it can be uncomfortable because it's just a topic that maybe some people aren't used to discussing with a partner, but I think both is very important. Yeah, it's a super vulnerable, intimate space. I feel like not only are you talking about like physical intimacy, which people have so much or can have so much shame and uh, fear wrapped up in that, but then also having a intimate verbal communication around physical intimacy, like that feels like the ultimate intimacy vulnerability, right? <laughs> totally. Yes, yeah. it really is. And there's always, yeah, there's always next levels. Like I even noticed there are certain things that I still fear sharing with my partner. So I'm like, I don't want to make him feel bad. I don't want him to think that he's doing something wrong. I think that's something a lot of women deal with as well. Mm, yeah. So for anyone who's listening to this, we would love to hear from you and hear how this shows up for you in your life and um, any like hesitations that you have to speaking your truth or what comes up for you when you try to speak your truth and that feeling of maybe like not being able to, even though you really want to. Um, and it is a practice that takes time to practice speaking your truth with these types of things. Yep, absolutely is a continuous practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we've talked about a lot today. We've talked about, you know, shame around sexuality. We've talked about self-pleasure, about embodiment, about um, dancing. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with the listeners today? Mm, I think the one thing that I was sharing just a tiny bit around triggers, mm -hmm. um, I think is so triggers are so beautiful, such so beautiful to learn tools on how to navigate through triggers, especially in romantic relationships. Um, and I know you even made a post about this maybe a week or two ago, and it hit me so strong. I was like, yes, Amy, I, I was just like bowing down to you. <laughs> so, you know, triggers are basically, so, okay, basically when my body starts to get triggered, I can feel it. When I feel a trigger coming on, my body is communicating it to me. And I think that goes hand in hand when you are practicing these embodiment uh, techniques and practices, your body then starts to become your feedback mechanism. It starts to speak to you, which is so beautiful. So I think I just wanted to share a little insight. When you notice you start to get triggered, I invite you to really check in with your body and and notice if it starts to shift in any way. For me, my hands will actually start to get a little sweaty and I will start to just kind of clench and tense up. And I'll say something like, hey babe, I'm noticing that my body is triggered right now. Can we pause on this for a second? Or, hey, like I'm noticing I'm really triggered in this conversation. I think I need to go for a walk and revisit this. Or if it's in the moment, I'll say like, hey, that really, that felt really icky what you just shared. Can we, you know, can we just talk about what, what happened there? So it's learning how to express yourself and share that you are triggered in the moment. Cause I think a lot of people don't know how to even express that. 
And it's so important instead of just shutting down, what I see a lot of people do is they'll just shut down and they won't share what's going on. So the other partner is just like in, you know, in the clouds, be like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm hoping this is making sense to everybody. Yeah. I think that I know I've experienced in my relationships that the more honest and the more that I can communicate from a grounded space instead of a reactive space, which is what you're talking about, like that feeling in your body when your body like is in a fight or flight or a reactive response and learning the tools to become resourced and then communicate through whatever challenge comes up. And I do really believe that any challenge in partnership can be worked through or any friendship can actually be worked through with clear communication. But so many people are afraid of confrontation because they're people pleasers and you know, I'm a recovering people pleaser and I still, it still shows up for me sometimes, or they don't want to, so they don't want to hurt the other person's feelings or they don't want to seem too emotional, too sensitive. Right. And so they're just not communicating. And that is what actually creates big gaps in, in relationships and where I feel a lot of relationships unravel because there's so much space of not sharing what's going on and the other person just can't actually read your mind, believe it or not. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Communication is so key. You're, you're Mm -hmm. so spot on. And I love Mm -hmm. the way that you just put it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I know that the listeners will find a lot of value in that as well. I think especially bringing in the piece of like that feeling the trigger in your body, because as you start to connect with your body more, it does have so much wisdom to share like you were sharing before. Mm, Yes, absolutely does. Yeah, beautiful. Well, um, I would love to share with the audience and listeners today how they can stay in touch with you. And if they want to learn more about embodiment, where can they find you? Yes, um, so I am on Instagram and Facebook. My Instagram handle is Hannah, H-A-N-N-A underscore Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N underscore at the end as well. And then on Facebook, it's Hannah, H-A-N-N-A, last name Chef, S-H-E-F-F. Amazing. And you'll, you'll get to see Hannah in motion. She shares a lot of really beautiful videos of herself dancing and moving energy through her and really great example where you can actually see it visually because this is one thing to talk about, but then to be mm. able to see it and see how freely she moves. I think it'll be really inspiring for all of you. So make sure to connect with Hannah and thank you all for joining us today. Hannah, thank you for this conversation. Mm, Thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor, Amy. Thank you. you, Thanks for being here and for sharing your gifts. All right. And that's a wrap for our episode today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and head on over to iTunes to leave a five-star rating and a review. When you subscribe to this podcast, you will get notified every time a new episode is available. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Have a beautiful day.